They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. We are on location Woo-hoo. at our Bishop Convocation in West Hartford at a lovely, lovely place where this podcast began. It did, two years ago. Two years ago, yep. At the uh, Holy Family Passionist Retreat Center. It's a lovely, lovely place. And we have a wonderful guest with us today. We're very happy to invite into conversation Bishop Yvette Flunder. Thank you for being here with us. It's my joy. I've been having a wonderful time. And this is a very lovely sight. It is. It is very peaceful and very beautiful. It is. And I've been having a great time. Good. Well, we've been having a good time with you as well, and we really appreciate you taking some time to be with us this afternoon. You're welcome, brother. When we should all be taking a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's raining outside, and I was going to go on this uh, four or five mile run with Jeff, but I saw the rain, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I wasn't going on a four or five mile, but but the rain is absolutely beautiful. It is, and I am planning on going in the rain on a run on a run later. So, wonderful, brother. It's good for me. So maybe just for the people that don't know who you are, you could just share a little bit of your background and your expertise, perhaps, or things you're interested in, and just a little bit so people can get to know you. Well, again, my name is Yvette Flunder, and I am the presiding bishop of a fellowship of churches uh, in the United States and uh, in some that are in uh, Great Britain and Europe some that are in, uh, on the continent of Africa in three countries, some in Asia and Mexico. What is the connecting tissue for us is that we are uh, open and affirming churches, affirming of LGBT people, of women in ministry. We are cross-cultural, multi-ethnic. We also have uh, a number of faith groups that are represented so they're not all, they don't all name themselves Christian churches. We have folks that are from uh, different IFA communities, African indigenous faith communities, some folks who identify as Jewish, mm-hmm. some who identify as um, Native American priests. Mm-hmm. We have what we call the common Christ, which is essentially our understanding of the Christ that lays over all of these faiths that predates 2,000 years ago. And the 2,000-year-ago manifestation of Christ is powerful for the Christian church, but there are faiths that go back 6,000 years that have understandings of uh, God and Spirit that are still very powerful Mm -hmm. in those communities, doing the same things that we attribute to some degree to our understanding of the Christ. And we don't discount those realities. What we see ourselves is not as a puree, (laughs) sort of as a gumbo or a stew, you know, where we have different uh, ideas and things. But the common uh, heart of Christ is what we seek in every way. Mm to experience and to promote, which means we have to really make authentic room for one another, you know. I'm also um, a seminary professor in a number of seminaries, uh, particularly forward-thinking seminaries uh, here in the United States. I lead a nonprofit 
that provides services that include HIV and AIDS and uh, homeless for homeless people, for people who um, have mental and emotional health issues. And I think that one of the great joys that I also have is that I've been for 20 plus years now um, ordained in the United Church of Christ. I have an ordination in MCC as well, Metropolitan Community Church, but okay. the UCC I've had for a number of years. Uh, emerging from the Pentecostal Church, yep. specifically the Trinitarian Pentecostal Church, yeah. the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost Pentecostal Amen. Church. Amen. Okay. <laughs> right, right. And the Southern Black Pentecostal experience. That okay. is, I am from the womb of the Southern Black Pentecostal Church. That's where I was born and raised. That's who I sound like when I talk. <laughs> right, right. Uh, a bunch of Texans. And uh, I have no regrets about having had that experience. Uh, um, I would also probably like to add one other thing. I'm very focused on what I call intersectional justice work, the, the importance of our getting under each other's load and responsibilities to make a better world. That's very important to me. Not just, I'm not just focused on one or two things. I'm not a single-issue justice warrior. Mm -hmm. What I want very much is to uh, help, even in the areas that don't specifically relate to an experience that I have had. Mm -hmm. So that includes many things, um, people who are specially abled or disabled, uh, people who are incarcerated, mm -hmm. but also certainly the rights of LGBT people and women, the rights of immigrants and the poor, and people who are educationally disadvantaged, you know, it's just important work. Yeah. yeah. When I was in seminary, I spent some time uh, working with a, a pastor on uh, prison ministry issues. And uh, specifically, we had a support group for inmates who were released from prison. And it was kind of a support group that they would meet once a week. And I talked with him. And I said, I really enjoy doing this, but I'm not sure I'm not how to fully relate because I have never been incarcerated. And he said to me, he looked at me, he said, have you ever been a woman? I said, no. He said, but you think you can minister to women, right? And I said, yeah, yeah. So he said, it's the same, you know, you don't have to be incarcerated to do, to do that. So we can all do advocacy work, even if we haven't fully experienced that before. And embodying other people's realities uh, requires that we listen deeply yes. and experience sometimes uh, through them some of what it is that they've been through. Um, what is it Paul said? I, I desire to be all things to all humans so that I right. can in some way help some. You know, that's right. the idea. Listening deeply is a respectful praxis, practice. You know, how, how do I listen to someone else's experience? And then how can I in some ways equate that to things that are similar right. that I may have experienced so that we can really walk together authentically. Yeah, you know? yeah when I was in Montana this uh, summer on vacation, we ran across Jack Gladstone, who's a, a singer, and we've, we've followed him for years, but he was speaking to the group, and he said, the, the greatest spiritual practice is empathy. And I think there's a lot of, there's a, that's a gift that we can give to people, is to be genuine and, and really hear where they're trying to come from. 
So you've spent some time with us today, and uh, a big kind of the centerpiece of your uh, conversation with us was this beautiful image of an earthquake moving from being a a kind of a monument into some movement. Could you maybe share a little bit about that? I don't want to give away your whole talk in case you go speak to others because they really benefit greatly from your presence, but uh, even just a a few hints maybe of uh, that, that talk was really wonderful, so thank you. Well, I'm, I'm uh, sensi- sensitive to the conversation of earthquakes because I'm from San Francisco in California and the humongous San Andreas Fault. It runs through the center of California. And so I was raised around earthquakes, and I know basically what they do, how they feel, mm-hmm. because I've experienced them time and again. But the crux of what it is that I am trying to communicate is that when buildings are not built expecting an earthquake, they have a lot of facades they have a lot of stuff on them. San Francisco was built that way with all sorts of decorative, you know, things sure. and scalloped eaves and yeah, all sorts yeah, of stuff, right? Yeah. What an earthquake does is an earthquake, first of all, when it shakes, the first thing that falls off is the fake stuff that's not needed. That yeah. goes first. Yeah. What remains depends on the strength of the infrastructure, what actually exists. And And so what we have tried to do in San Francisco is retrofit our buildings so that they can take a shaking and keep on going. That's that's the idea, right? And all sorts of science is put into that and all sorts of different kinds of devices and ways in which those buildings are made to, because we know a shaking will happen. (laughs) And it's foolish to think that it won't come when you're on an active fault. At some point, you're going to have an earthquake. That's what's going to happen. We want as much to survive as we possibly can to go on with our lives, right? Well, um, I think the same way about religion. I think that religion is hard, and organized religion in particular, is hard to change because over a period of time, we've become calcified and concretized in the customs and the ways, and we, we... fall in love with the culture and the customs, and it starts feeling like that's God, mm. that the customs and God are the same thing. Or to use your image, the, the facade on the building is the main yes, part of it. Yeah. That's right. It's as yeah. though the building is its facade, and it is mm-hmm. not. It is its core. Right. And sometimes we have to have a good shaking mm-hmm. to shake off our facade mm-hmm. so we get back to what is the real reason that we are doing what we're doing. What is, the, what is the real reason? And, and are we uh, basically driving people away because they cannot get accustomed to our facade? Has the facade come between us and the people that we are, are called to help? And when that does happen, a shaking is necessary mm-hmm. to unfacade us, to defacade us. Defacade us, right? <laughs> Because I like that word. That's a <laughs> good word, which is actually another definition for reformation. Right, yeah, right. Reformation has to happen. It doesn't take long for an organized body of religion in particular to get calcified and concretized. It right. doesn't yeah. take yeah. long. Just, just over a period of time, we just... And then we're exercising more energy to survive and maintain than we are to really serve. Right, right, right. It becomes a real problem, and something new comes along, we don't have room for it. And, and for me, the other metaphor, as I said today, was, is about being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Your body has to make room for new life, 
Otherwise, the child is not going to come to term, and it won't be healthy, and it won't be strong, which requires an incredible amount of stretching. Right, <laughs> right, Everything right. got to stretch. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and all yeah. the stuff that's in there got to get out of the way, yeah. you know, and make room and space for new life. And then when the child is born, that's just the beginning of a very long trip, you know. <laughs> Essentially, uh, right. it has to be fed, it has to be cared for, it has to be nurtured. It's got to be loved. It's got to be appreciated. And room in the family mm-hmm. has right. to be made for this new person who has come. And so it is with change in, in the church. And when we become calcified, that's when we need another Martin Luther experience. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, just speaking from our experience in the denomination in which we do our ministry, I mean, we have a very strong... Northern European bend. I mean, that, those were the folks that came over here and set up a lot of the institutions that we have. You know, people will say, well, maybe that's not Swedish enough or, or German enough or Norwegian or Finnish or any of those things. And certainly that's not the America we live in. But in our churches, that seems to be an expectation, or at least that is the, the, the culture, so to speak. I try to remind people there's more Lutherans in Tanzania than there are in North America. And they're like, what? You know? and, and, and they live that out in a totally different way than we do. We, you know, we, should, we should learn from that, integrate some of it, because uh, you know, there's, there's joy there that we're missing out, and, and from our sisters and brothers there, for sure. One of the things that I've heard a number of times is, if we do this one thing, then that's going to change everything. If we do Sunday school this way, that means all the kids are going to flock to the church. And you, you can't just put another facade on it and think that things are going to automatically change. You have to go into the core of who you are and tear down some walls maybe and, and stretch. And, and all those, I mean, I love those metaphors because it really makes that visual of the struggle that needs to happen. And it's not always going to be easy. You're going to get morning sickness. You're going to you know, experience a lot of pain here and there and, and be uncomfortable for a while. But in the end, you're going to create this new life in your congregation. And it's, it's going to be amazing. And hopefully beyond, right. right? I mean, if we're called to love our neighbor, we need to find out who our neighbor is. Yeah. And find out what they're struggling with and what we're struggling with ourselves and, and start to come together. I was going to share with you a um, wonderful uh, Ghanaian woman theologian. Um, her name is Mercy Odioye. She's an elder now. You know, she's a very powerful writer and a teacher. And she was equating a story about uh, when the missionaries uh, came to Ghana to uh, preach Christianity and to share Christianity with a lot of the folks. said <laughs> Uh, that when they came, this is primarily would be English missionaries, mm-hmm. and when they came, uh, they found that, that the women would and the men also wore beautiful hand-woven kente cloth in different colors for different occasions, and the men wore over-the-shoulder kente cloth, and the women wore different kinds of uh, dresses and things that they made and beautiful headpieces, um, but they didn't wear bras, and their service was sort of active, you know, <laughs> Physical, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of dancing and sure. up. Yes. And and so consequently they were jiggling, you know, you know. <laughs> and so the missionaries uh c- called the women together in a meeting and said, So we're going to send back home and get a case of bras. We're gonna bring some bras <laughs> to Ghana. And uh, because oh, and we're going to give bras to each of you all, you know, sort of guesstimate your sizes and such. 
and give you bras. And oh, thank you, thank you. Not really understanding what in the world they were talking about. They said, That's great. We're going to get some bras. Anyway, the big case of bras came, and so they had a bra meeting, right? And they passed out bras, and each of the women was given a bra mm -hmm. to take home yeah. and then uh, encouraged firmly to, when, when they come back to church, to come wearing their bra. Yeah. And they said, oh, certainly. We've got. And so they took the bras home, and sure enough, they came back to the service, uh, the next uh, service, with their bras. Now, interesting things. One of them, as Mercy told it, had woven it into her headdress. <laughs> So it was woven in and sort of, you know, part of her headdress. There was another one who was wearing a belt. She wore yeah, it around yeah, her yeah, waist yeah, and yeah. connected it in the front. She said, and the one that was the most interesting was the one who created a baby carrier. She put it around her shoulders in a sling, sort of, oh, and oh, yeah. set the baby's butt, little tiny butt, <laughs> right in a cup of yeah, bra. Yeah. And, was carrying around. and so the missionary saw they said, oh, no. Oh, you're supposed to wear the bras, but we're wearing the bras. Oh, yeah. right. No, you're supposed to wear the bras on the breasts. And the, and the women said, why would we take something so beautiful and hide it underneath? Our dessert? Because mm. that's what they're for. Well, what are they for, though? Right, they right. are there to hold the breasts. To which the women said, but the breasts are holding themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, for, from one culture to the next ideas about all of these things are different. Right. Not just out of the country, but here in the country. The idea of, of the Northern European concepts that are rooted deeply in the Lutheran Church are very different than the British concepts, are very different than the French concepts, are very different than the Irish or the Scottish concepts. And then when all of those concepts got together and created a race in this country, there was no such thing as white. Mm -hmm. White is an amalgamation yeah, right. of everything European right. with a touch of little of this and that. It depends on what you find out in your DNA, right? right, right, right. 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 But here was the reality of all of those cultures coming together uh, in some ways up against these many people of color cultures and indigenous cultures that were also there. How do we embrace a Christianity that a group of people have no idea about? And then if we do embrace it, to your point about the folks in Tanzania, how do we make it then culturally appropriate for our people, right. whoever our is? Right, exactly, context, right, 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 right. So that it is authentically embraced and it is not a copying of right. someone else's culture, hence yeah, exactly. You know, if the breasts are holding themselves, <laughs> why can't I wear this as a belt? You know, yeah, right, 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 right. it's the problem, <laughs> yeah, right? Right, yeah, right? And I think that those are the realities uh, when Christianity does seek to colonize. Yeah, yep. That it has, it carries a certain evil with it yep. that suggests that my way is better, greater, and holier than your way. Right. Adapt my way. Right. And then you see God. There's something very problematic about mm -hmm. that. How do you think that plays itself out, you know, in our, I guess, practice of Christianity? We're so fragmented. Uh, you know, we're not, there is no the church other than in kind of a metaphoric way, really, since, since we have so many pockets of, of Christians, like, calling themselves different things like Lutherans, for example, uh, rather than being part of the whole it sort of depends on what part of the country you're born in, 
what the grouping of heritage is that's around you, you know? Yeah. I remember um, the part of me that is European American is Irish. I'm one twelfth Irish, which of course were, were like the black people of the white people <laughs> before the black people became the black people. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, the Irish figured out how to fix that, and they started marrying English people and French people and Dutch people and Swedish people and trying to see if they could clean up their background, <laughs> which is really a, a sad truth. Uh, it happens, by the way, with other races as well sure. and other ethnicities. Yeah. But I said that to say that it depends very strongly on where you were born, you know, your parentage, the culture that surrounds you. And that is what has a certain impact. You know, Lutheranism is not the same in the South as it is in the East, mm -hmm. not the same in the Midwest as it is on the West Coast, right. because it is influenced and impacted by the culture of those areas, which have sort of taken on their own way to be, yeah. right? Yeah. Some more conservative, some uh, less conservative, more progressive, some more interfaith. Um, just kind of depends on the history of the church. Mm -hmm. So that's within one denomination. Right. Now let's right. magnify that over all the other denominations. Yeah, right. yeah. And you can be a Lutheran church getting along better with the Baptist church next door than the Lutheran church across town. That's right. often the case, right. actually. Yeah. There you go. Because yeah. they're so different. Mm -hmm. There's some other cultural common denominator yeah. that is making you connect, you know. So I think that what we have to be able to do is stop having pejorative assumptions of the other altogether. That is our basic fundamental. The thing about religion is that somebody is supposed to be right. And we got seven baptisms in the Christian church. You got your sprinklers, you got your dunkers, you got your baptism as babies, yeah. you got your baptism right. as young adults, you know, you got your baptism if they left church for a long time and they come back and had to be resaved again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Your baptism in Jesus' name, you got your baptism in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yeah. There are a, just a slew of baptisms. One Christian church, we think of the Christian church. How can the Christian church be the Christian church? and have seven different baptisms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because people believe differently and they right. believe so strongly that they think pejoratively mm. of people who baptize differently. They must be wrong. They right. have to be. We'll tolerate right. them. We'll tolerate them. Pity them even. Yeah. Bless their little peepicking. Don't know how to baptize hearts. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but, but we do think of them Majority. Yeah, we do. We do. Something is wrong with you. Have a flawed baptism. If you're going to come be with us, then you may have to be rebaptized so that you're baptized properly because mm -hmm. you didn't really get it. Yeah, like right. you should have gotten it. Right. Hence, the conversation we had uh, today is the sin of authoritarianism and absolutism. Yep. 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 The tendency to silo. Beautiful big field. But we have silos, and mm -hmm. each one of these silos is a faith path that is very is as close to each other, brother, as you and I are to each other right now. Yeah. But we don't know anything about each other. Right. Because we live in our silo, and you live in your silo. Yep. We only see each other when we come down, and perhaps we'll pass each other on Silo Road on right. our way somewhere. Right. Right. Yeah. We're gonna go right back. And, get in a, and that is the flaw. That is the sadness of religion. It suggests that I'm, I'm in it, 
And so it must be right. Of course. I'm in it. Otherwise, right. I wouldn't be in it. Right. So right. since right. I'm in it, it must be right. So vicariously, bless your little heart, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I'll tolerate you. I'll be kind to you. But it's not hard to move from a pejorative assumption of you to being violent toward you. See, there's not a long distance between right. thinking that you're substandard to me as it relates to your faith. Then, then you're also then disposable. Yeah. Then yeah, you fight know. doing a jihad yeah. on yeah. you. Yeah. Dehumanize people. Yes. Yeah. And then pretty soon, taking you out. We have a history of people killing people solely because they were another faith. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been that long ago. And in some countries, it is still an active still reality. Yep. People are still killing people slowly and quickly because they are of another faith. Mm -hmm. There is something very problematic when religion does that. Yes. So are there some ways that we could start to overcome that? Drop the silos. Yeah. And how do, you, how do you begin that work? With great intentionality. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to decide. Let me, let me use an I statement because I can sure. only really speak yeah, for right. I had to decide. I had to decide that the presence of God and the love of God is not limited to one denomination. This is, a, is the definition of fundamentalism. Right. Right? It is not limited to us, whoever the us is. Mm -hmm. That God must be bigger than that, has to be bigger than that. And so I started doing my own discovery. And I found out that some of the wonderful things and some of the great foibles that exist in the faith that I was raised in exist in everybody's faith. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Right. It's epidemic. Yeah. <laughs> this need to be right. Yep. Yeah. Part of the human the, condition, maybe. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's sad. Yeah. And, and so what I started doing was developing real relationships with people. Yeah who believed very differently than I do. And I mean, have powerful times of meditation and conversation. Mm -hmm. I understand, you know, and, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something that I didn't tell our congregation, that we were in our congregation of pastors that we talked yeah. to today. Yeah. I am a, a Cherokee, part, the part of me that's Native American. On my grandmother's side, uh, on both sides, my father's mother and my mother's mother, yeah. right? I trace my lineage back to the Cherokee Reservation in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I'm saying to you is that as a Cherokee, I always wanted to know what is that part of me? What did my parents do before I was born, my grandparents yeah. as Native Americans? Because that was Christianized out of us completely. Right, right, right. I had an experience. Um, I was sleeping at a retreat house that I, I took some two or three days to go and uh, rented a house uh, over by the ocean in Stinson Beach on the coast yeah. of California and spent some time. Long story short, while I was there, I had a dream. And in my dream, I dreamed that I saw a small baby bear in the bed with me. And the dream was the room that I was sleeping in. Yeah. Hmm. And it was so real until I wasn't sure whether I was dreaming or not. And the small baby bear that I saw in the room, I took the baby bear, wrapped him up in a blanket. He's making little baby bear sounds. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Took him in the bathroom, put him in the bathtub. I said, now what am I going to do with you? Then it dawned on me, there's seldom a baby bear without a mama bear somewhere. Then I became deeply concerned. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 As you should. Right, right. So I opened the bathroom door, and then standing at her full height on her back, 
back paws mm. was the mother. Mm-hmm. I took the little bear, I pushed the little bear out of the room, and gave the little bear to her mother. Mm. Okay? Did, you, did you baptize the little bear no, the right no, way? No, I gave the little bear to her mother, and the mother <laughs> dropped down on her all fours, and she led the little bear around and out of the house where I was, right? Yeah. Maybe a um, couple months after that, I dreamed about my mom, who had passed away. And in this dream, my mother had on this beautiful uh, copper-colored gown with lots of sparkle, like stars, like sequins, all in the gown. And she had on a full Native American headdress. Now, mind you, I wasn't digging into my Native American self during this time. And it was a golden eagle. Mm -hmm. I knew it in my dream. I was praying for my congregation. My mother was standing behind me praying for me Mm. in my dream, right? Long story short, um, I woke up totally discombobulated, right? Not knowing what to do with all of this. Right. Maybe a couple Sundays after, I had a person whose name is Morningstar, who is a female-to-male trans person, Mm -hmm. came to my church and said, the ancestors told me to come visit you. And he said, there's two things I need you to know. And Morningstar went in Morningstar's pocket and pulled out a golden eagle feather. Wow. And took it and started on one side of me and came up and came down the other with the feather. She said, because the ancestors sent me to bless you. And then Morningstar said to me, and your spirit animal is a mother bear. Oh, wow. I almost passed out. Now, you got to understand. You got to understand, brothers. I'm a Pentecostal. So I'm accustomed from time to time to going completely out. (laughs) (laughs) But I had never gone out on... Native American. Mm. But my Mm -hmm. prayer was, I want to open myself up so that I can get all of my stuff. I want my stuff. I want everything that's been colonized out of me. Mm. I want my African spirituality. I want my Native American spirituality because I want to see God in more ways than being an afterthought. And, And when I say an afterthought, I mean... I was taught Christianity that it was really for the Jews. That's who it was for. But because they would not accept it properly, we were grafted in. I was always told that we were grafted in. We were brought in uh, almost as a contingency plan. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Because the Jewish folks, and it's very much prominent in Scripture. Yeah. Even the, tell, the teaching of Jesus that I wanted to teach my people, but they wouldn't have it. And now, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm right, spin yeah, and become yeah, more right. universal in my teaching. And I don't like the idea of being a contingency plan. No, yeah, no. Right. I want to be on the front row. Do you right, understand right. what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I don't yeah. want this because the front yeah. row people don't want it. Then it's okay. Right, so, right, right. Because right. right. Abraham's kids don't, don't want it. What about... And that was what... And so it, it added to my feeling that I was... Less than or other than, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So how, how could I combine my understandings of God in Christ, understandings of God in the life of Jesus, with the fact that I am also, I am also Native American, and I am also African. Mm-hmm. And in my DNA is also that spiritual experience. And I asked God, 
Help me to see what I can't see. Not in my head. Help me to feel it in my heart. I'm not afraid anymore. Right. I don't right. think that I t- sully my Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. By accepting and appreciating my spirituality in other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And God heard me yeah. and gave me an experience. I'd had, I could go on and on about African experience. I, I'd have to tell you about me in the continent. But I will say to you, I don't romanticize Africa. I don't romanticize the fact that I'm a Cherokee. I want to experience God the way God showed up at times for the people who are my ancestors before we were Christianized so that I can better embrace what it means to also receive God Mm -hmm. in Christianity. Does Does that... Yep. Do you hear my heart? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, 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 I worked do. on homogenizing my own self. Right. And once I started working on that, I started to see the light mm. in the lives of other people. And I look at you, brother, and I can see in you the same God, the same experience of God that I'm having inside me. It's, it, my inner self does not diminish the right. authenticity of your experience. And I would not tolerate it if I thought you would diminish the authenticity of mine. So right. different, yes. Deficient, no. Right. That's the difference. And so once I let that thing loose yeah. in me, and I go around from church to church and have the best time. And then <laughs> I can have a time with a bunch of drug addicts and alcoholics, just that we get to talking, you know. And, and start talking about God. Now, you talk about folks that can talk about God. Yeah. When they're good and loaded, it's really quite something. You know? <laughs> uh, or, or the time I spent with a former president or the time that I've spent in Congress or the times that I've spent from country to country and place to place, I've seen the beauty of God everywhere. Mm. It's so much more. And to have an open heart like that and just to to not have that preconception of what God is or what God does and, and what God means to other people, it just, it frees you. Exactly. And if we're all created in God's image, in whatever way we can understand that, we can only truly see God if we see all of us. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Who are you? And then, was it your dermis, then, then the epidermis, and then there's one that's called the sub, subcutaneous fat. So you have three layers of skin. And your color is only in the first, or rather the second layer. The mm-hmm. outer layer, the dermis, is translucent. So the first thing that we are is the same thing that our neighbor is. We start getting some color when it get down a little bit. But the outer skin is the same. We are the same in the important place, which is the skin that holds the rest of it yeah. all together. Right. You know, otherwise all your stuff will fall out on the yeah. ground, you know, which is, yeah. would be a real problem, So my heart says that some way, and, and I'm not romantic about it. I know we got work to do. You know, we got racism, we got sexism, we got homophobia, we have, you know, I could go on and on and on. We got stuff to do because we've been influenced. So it doesn't mean that we don't, so I don't romanticize our sameness, but I do equalize mm. our sameness yeah. and the importance of seeing that. Maybe we could revisit um, one of our colleagues stood and asked you a pretty important question today and said, you know, okay, I'm, I'm doing this work. I'm, I'm trying to bring things forward. And I've had some people leave my congregation over it. 
And then I've, you know, I maybe perhaps one one political angle. And then because I wasn't doing enough in the other way, some people on the other political uh, angle also left. And I'm kind of left feeling, uh, you know, just kind of unsure as to what what to do. And uh, you had a wonderful response. And uh, maybe you could share a little bit of that insight. Well, I, th- I think in a, in a nutshell, what, what would be vitally important uh, in, a, in a setting like that is courage. I think having the, the uh, vision for leadership and being able, of course, to value everyone. But when you see the church or the ministry moving forward, having the courage to say that, to speak that, knowing that though some people may not be able to come along, mm-hmm. there are others who will come because room has been made for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we have to be mindful. And I, 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 I mentioned um, Edwin, Edwin Friedman's book, yeah. The Failure of Nerve. And I mentioned it because Edwin, and when I say Edwin is a, a bio theological writer, he's basically suggesting that if you have a, again, the, the, the example is if you have a paronychia, uh, an infected ingrown toenail, mm-hmm. right, that it has to be lanced. And the putrefaction has to be, the infection has to be released. If you don't do something about it, it will spread to the toe and eventually to the foot and eventually to the leg. And then it will engage your whole body. Now, you know you have it because it hurts. Yeah, right, yeah. Like hell it hurts, yeah, right? Yeah. right? It really hurts. So you know you have it, but it's taking the courage to do something about it, to speak openly to the prejudice that is in your congregation, to the issues that divide the people. You don't have to call people's names, but you have to speak to the evil. You have to speak to it, knowing that it may mean that some of the most moneyed people, you know, who bought the pew (laughs) and the window on the corner has their family's name on it and crest, you know, they may not want to stay if you speak to the evil. But if you don't speak to it, then no matter how much you say welcome, 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 there are people who will never feel welcome. And they're also waiting at the door to come in to determine whether or not you genuinely and authentically are living out that welcome. And I encourage pastors all the time, you know, you know there's an old song that said, I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Mm. Hmm. I'd say to people sometimes, you know, so so what kind of work did you think this would be? Yeah, right, right, right. right, right. This is not nursery school. We're trying to help people get a vision of God that is as radically inclusive as the heart of God is, Mm. which does mean that there are times, and hopefully we can strike a balance, and folks will grow. They'll either grow or go. Yeah, it'd be I think lovely right. if they yeah. don't yeah. grow. Yeah. But if they don't grow, then perhaps they'll have to go. And we have not uh, abused them when we seek to encourage them to stretch to make more babies welcome, right? Like right. when you have a child and then you have another child. Yeah. And the one that you had first, what you're trying to do is help the one that you had first to be accepting of the one who's coming along. Mm-hmm. Because the, the older baby can't be the baby anymore. Right. 
not if you have a new baby. Mm-hmm. And older babies don't like that. No. They get very <laughs> agitated about they it. Do. No, they don't mm-hmm. like that. It's like, what is this? You know, babies get mad, and sometimes puppies do, too. It's like, yeah. it's like what is that? And why, why does that thing get all of your attention and care, and they're still able to sleep with you and all that kind of junk? You know, like, <laughs> right, right, right. And now I'm moving on. Uh, what is my role now? What, how, how important am I to you? I think that that's the way that people marry religion, you know? Mm. When you add something that they're not accustomed to, you take their place and their role, and, and they excelled in whatever the thing was. Yeah. I was the candle lighter. Right. Right, right. And now the candles are gone. What in God's name am I supposed to do? <laughs> right. And how could you take that away from me? How could you do that? Yeah, how you dare know? you? How yeah. dare you, you yeah. know? Yeah, but I think too, too many of us, pastors, preachers, you know, the main message is that God loves you, which is great. But then when we say God loves you, but also God loves you, and then you say, well, but God loves me, and he's different from me. How can God love him and me at the same time? You know, but God loves God loves us all. Especially because I know He's a jerk. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> we are very, very focused on the either or God. Right. Never yes. the both and. Right. Yes. It's the right. either yes. or, either or. In fact, that's the, the sort of the teaching of the way that we were raised. It's heaven, hell. Everything is in Binary black, terms. white. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? In, out, evil, good. You know, well, so much so until Paul, sometimes when I read his writings, I realize like he, he needed some counseling, you know. <laughs> you know, really. An editor, at least. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, so right. I beat my body under subjection. I, you know, this whole idea of this distance between flesh and spirit, that, all, that my flesh is wicked mm-hmm. and my spirit is holy. And, and I say sometimes, all, everything I have is good. Not just right. my spirit. Right. All my stuff is good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, yeah. I mean, and I mean that literally. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I mean very literally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And even when we pray, like the telling of the stories of Jesus, never permit Jesus to ever have any intimacy of any kind. He gets nothing. Poor Jesus. I think about it. He gets nothing. <laughs> Nobody loved Jesus like you know. Then it tickles me all the time to think about it. people pray to Jesus all the time. He delivered me from it. So how does he even know what you're talking about? <laughs> he got nothing, right? The, the, the idea of the evilness of certain parts of our body even. Yeah. The separation of spirit from flesh mm. is, is it makes us almost psychotic. Right. And so the, right. the story that I, you know, and we, and we have these duplicitous lives, right? So the story that, you know, the, the, one of the stories, this, when I reflect on this, is the story of the slave woman. This is Sarah and Abraham's story. Yeah. Right? And Hagar. Yeah. And the slave woman who gave Abraham Ishmael, right? Yep. And that because Sarah couldn't get pregnant. Right. But when Ishmael grew up, and Isaac did too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There was a real problem, right? Because the thought was that now, you know, Sarah's got her own boy. Right. And she's upset with Abraham's boy with the slave woman. Right. So she is turned out into the wilderness with her son and goes out there with a little food on her back, and eventually the food and water run out, and she sits down behind a rock to die. 
and doesn't want the boy to see her. She sent him away from her so he would not watch his mother die. She sat down to die. And the way the story is told is the angel of the Lord appeared to her, brought her sustenance, uh, showed her where to find sustenance. But the beauty of it was there was a promise made Mm-hmm. to Ishmael that was very akin to his half-brother's promise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Essentially, God does not have to curse Ishmael just because he to blessed, bless yeah, yeah. Isaac. Right, right. I'm a same-gender-loving woman who is married to my spouse. And the success or the failure of my marriage is not hinged upon the success and failure of heterosexual marriages Amen. and vice versa. Yeah, right. My marriage is not destroying anybody's marriage. If you're not getting along in your marriage, it's your own ding dong fault. That's not mine. So they having some kind of problem in your marriage. Yeah, One or the yeah. other of you needs some work, or both of you need some work. Right. But don't blame that on me. Yeah, right, right. That God can love your family mm-hmm. and love my family at the same time. Amen. Yep. And God can provide for my children. And provide for your and the promises to Ishmael were outstanding, mm-hmm. almost yeah. tit for tat. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk a lot about the promises of Ishmael, but no, we don't. Ishmael's branch went completely other way with promises, mm-hmm. right? Just right. like Isaac's branch went another way with promises. My family, my family is a valid family and a strong, loving family. Mm-hmm. Just different from other families, but important and significant because God yeah. is big enough for both and. Yeah, yeah. We are, we are always binary. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Men are like from Mars and women are from Venus. Right. This is not the ones I know. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. We're all kind of from Pluto. You know right, what I mean? Right, it's like right, some right, of right. everything going on. <laughs> it's like, you know, because that's not true. It's all guys are not the same. Right. All right. women are not the same. All gay people are not the same. All black people are not the same. All white people. But we have this, this thing where we want to set people in concrete, in stone in some way and say that this is the way people are, but God doesn't operate like that. Nope, right. God is both and. God's heart is radically inclusive. And I made Adam and Eve, God didn't make Steve. I said, well, then who made Steve? Because <laughs> Steve is here. Well, Steve is here. How did Steve get here? Right. If God right. didn't make Steve, right? right? Right. There has to be some way for us to move beyond the either orness. Either orness is very problematic. I Extremely agree. problematic, right? Yep, amen. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for spending the time with us today. Oh, yeah. you My know. joy. I mean, we've, we've had the pleasure of listening to you early today and having this conversation, and uh, we are so thankful for that. Yeah, so it's been wonderful. Thank you. It's, it's been, been really great. Joy. It's been a real gift to us. Thank you. So if, if our listeners want to hear a little bit more about you or maybe even get in contact with you in some way, if you could just share with us any way that that ha- can happen if, and uh, then any party thoughts. Online. Yep. 
There's, there's the probably the best place to find out about all that we're doing is to Google me. Okay. When you Google me, I get a whole page of stuff, and you can see <laughs> where I, what I've written and where I'm published yep, and all great. that kind of thing. Great. And then, of course, I have Facebook pages. Uh, that's easy to find. Yep. Uh, Twitter handle, um, Holy Nerd, by the way. Nice. So you I know love my, that. <laughs> I like it. Nice. My Twitter handle. And um, then there are, are several other ways to, to contact us um, on uh, cityofrefugeucc.org is out there, and you can find out a lot of what we're doing and where we're doing what we're doing. So um, I'm pretty pretty Googleable, all right. And yeah. I would encourage folks to look us up and follow us. You know, I'm engaged again with the United Church of Christ as a pastor, just recently in relationship now with the Association for Global New Thought, and working with um, Michael Beckwith and um, Carlton Pearson and some of the others who are engaged in. Metacostal, metaphysical Pentecostal work, you know, and new thought. Working with Unity Village now, and nice. um, which is in the Centers for Spiritual Living. So all of that is exciting. So that's really great. And then I would encourage everyone to follow um, Dr. William Barber, Bishop William Barber, and the work that we're doing around justice, uh, and particularly uh, working to make sure that our next election is not rigged in any way. Mm, yeah. And to push back against gerrymandering and laws that are hindering people of color from getting um, our votes count, to make our votes count, rather, yep. uh, is incredibly important work right yep. now. So yep. please uh, holler, as I say, <laughs> to people holler. And then all of you who are listening, I just know that I love you. Keep me in your thoughts and prayers. Amen. Thank you. Well, thanks for being with us, and thank you, thank you so much for your ministry, and thank, thank you. you so much just for being you. Thank yeah. you, brothers. Yeah. Appreciate it. And so we'll have a lot of those links in the show notes, um, so you can have easy access and get in touch. Um, but once again, we are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinibaldo. Have a great day. Be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith. Pastors. Now today we have a special. Oh, we have an audience. We have a yes. This we is have a an live in studio podcast. audience. <laughs> Jeanette Harris is in the house. Woo! You want to say hi? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks for sitting in. That's good. It's great. Okay.